Welcome to Becoming Parents Podcast. I'm your host, Jen Taylor Campbell. I'm a birth and bereavement doula, as well as an adoption and surrogacy doula. Doula means woman who serves. And although I love happy births, adoptions, and surrogacy, the pro bono part of my business is in bereavement. I'm here to help you. I'm also mom of 18, yes, 18 children, with over 30 years experience in the trenches as a mom myself. We have a huge blended family, and I've also experienced the loss of our adult son. Remember, give a shout out to those brave enough to share their stories on how they have become parents. Let's dive in. Welcome to Becoming Parents Podcast. I'm really ecstatic today. I have Terry Tucker. Terry, how are you? I'm great, Jen. Thanks for having me on. I'm looking forward (laughs) to talking with you. I am too. This is like the best conversation ever. I love that I don't know a lot about your story. I know we're in the same time zone. I know you have one daughter and I've cyber the heck out of you. So I'm I'm very good at that. Um, but you're super online, like your books in my Amazon car. You're very you're you're an online force. There's a lot of information people can find about you. So I, I know you live in Colorado and you have one daughter and you have a great resume jump in where you want to start the story of parenting and your business in life. Yeah. Um, I, I guess maybe I should back up a little bit. So when I, I am the oldest of three boys, I was born on the South side of Chicago. Um, you can't tell this from looking at me or from my voice, but I'm six foot eight inches tall. And I actually, yeah, I know. I actually played college basketball. I went to college uh, at the Citadel in Charleston, South Carolina on a basketball scholarship. When I graduated from college, I was the first person in my family to graduate from college. You know, I moved home to find a job. I was all set to make my mark on the world with my newly obtained business administration degree. And I was fortunate. I found that first job in the corporate headquarters of Wendy's International, the hamburger chain. That was the good news. The downside was I lived with my parents for the next three and a half years as I helped my mother care for my father and my grandmother, who were both dying of different forms of cancer. Uh, you know, as I said, professionally, started out at Wendy's, then I became a hospital administrator, and then I made a major pivot in my life and became a police officer. And part of what I did during that is I was a SWAT team hostage negotiator, which is usually not what your next door neighbor is doing. Uh, but... <laughs> But after my law enforcement career, I started a school security consulting business. I uh, coached girls high school basketball, which was incredibly interesting. And uh, for the last almost 11 years now, I've been battling a rare form of cancer. My wife and I have been married for 30 years. We have one child, as you mentioned, a daughter, who's a graduate of the United States Air Force Academy and is an officer in the new branch of the military, the Space Force. Wow. I have a daughter in the Air Force National Guard. So yay, Air oh, Force. Congratulations Air. and thank you for her service. Yes. Thank you for your daughter's service. I want to back up a little bit because the, you never went NBA. You you never took basketball further after college. No, I was lucky to play in college. I had three knee surgeries in high school. Okay. So I was just lucky to play in college. Professionally, there was just no way. Although okay. my brother, my brother was drafted by the Cleveland Cavaliers in the National Basketball Association. Awesome. My husband's a basketball player. He played all through. So, you know, you've got to have the basketball conversation. Oh, absolutely. So that, that wasn't an issue, which is good to know. And you got this great job. How did taking care of your, your dad and your grandmother? Yes. How did that change your life? Cause massively I'm imagining and, but not just that, because now you have hindsight. How did it change 
how you handle your relationships? How did it change how you raised your daughter? How did it change how much you loved your life? Because I'm looking at your book and your blog and the amount of motivational information you put out there. Was that the start of it? Was it before that innately? I think it, it really started when I, you know, first started having knee surgery and had to, you know, fight my way, work my way back to playing basketball. But one thing that I really think my mom and dad taught us, and, you know, my story is not, you know, my dad was an alcoholic and beat my mother. And it, 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 absolutely, it was just the opposite. You know, my parents used to do what I call divide and conquer parenting because there were three of us. And so, you know, Terry'd have a game, you know, at this date, at this time, well, dad will go to that because Larry's got practice at the same time at this, and mom will go to that. So we were always running in a million different directions. But what our parents taught us was the importance of family, of, you know, mm. loving each other, caring for each other, supporting each other and things like that. And that was something I believe my brothers and my, my wife and I passed on to our daughter, the importance of family. And, and I remember one time my, my youngest brother had a high school basketball game and, and I was working, but I was still living at home, taking care of my mom or my father and my grandmother. And I told my dad one night, my brother had a game. I said, look, I'm not going to his game. I'm going to go work out. My dad's like, no, you're not. I'm a man. I have my own job. What do you mean? No, I'm not. It's like, no, you're not. You're, you're going to your brother's game. I said, no, I'm going to work out. He said, no, you're going to your brother's game because that's what we're about. We're about family and your brother needs you right now. And you go. And my dad was right. I was just trying to, you know, flex my own muscles and, you know, be my own man, so to speak. And didn't do a very good job of it, but it was, you know, yeah, it was, Hey, he needs you. And, and we've always been about family and caring for each other. So you're going to your game. He's go, going to his game. And so I did, I went to his game and I found another time to go work out. Look, I think the, there's a lot of stories out there of dysfunction and hardship and how you rose from the ashes. I love that there are also stories where you have a really good, strong family and family means a lot. And that was you, that was the way that you live from the beginning. And when you, when you became a quote adult making your big life adult situations. Yeah. I mean, your daughter's an adult. I remember my kids being adults thinking, okay, just let me be the safety net. Cause you know, you lose control over a lot of what their decisions are. So I think that that story is super powerful it's encouraging for people who have had tough childhoods and are trying to raise their kids like this is important and this is how you should do it i, I yeah. think so i i, I think I mean, so you know we hear about all the bad things and all the dysfunction but there there are people out there that put their family first and you know i think one of the biggest things people ask me you know how did you raise a daughter that went to the air force academy I'm like well I, I was their parent. I wasn't her friend, you know, and so many yes. parents, I think, want to be friends with them and can't make or won't make the tough decisions that we're supposed to make as parents. I 150% agree with that. I And I think that that's uh, a tragedy because as a parent, you're looking to your kid to fulfill something in you that you didn't get enough of by being their friends. And it it does not work. It doesn't work anyway. You went from Wendy's to, um, you had a succession, but the police force, you went from Wendy's to, to like SWAT team. That's not, there's no connection. Take me through the way those jobs connected because I, I don't get it. Like, I don't understand how that happened. So so there is a backstory. And, and the backstory was that my grandfather, my father's dad, 
was a Chicago police officer from 1924 to 1954 yeah. and was actually shot in the line of duty with his own gun in 1933. It was not a serious injury. He was shot in the ankle. But my dad always remembered the stories. My dad was an infant at the time. The stories that my grandmother told his mom of that knock on the door. Mrs. Tucker, grab your son, come yes. with us you know, your husband's been shot. So when I expressed an interest in going into law enforcement, my dad was absolutely not. You're going to college. You're going to major in business. You're going to get out, get a great job, you know, get married, have 2.4 kids and live happily ever after. But that's, that's the life my dad wanted me to lead. So I graduated from college. I have a choice. I can say, yeah, dad, I know you're sick, but sorry, I'm going to go blaze my own trail. I'm going to do my own thing or out of love and respect for you, I will do what you want me to do. So if you understand the backstory, my resume sort of makes sense yeah, then. Yep. I did, you know, I went into business because that's what my dad wanted and I didn't want to upset him anymore as he was dying. But then I sort of joke, I did what every good son did. I waited till my father passed away and then I followed my own dreams and became a police <laughs> officer. And which I love, you know, that's too bad. I mean, one, I, I think as parents, I know, I'm sure for you and, definitely for myself, we have the best intentions when we're guiding and directing our kids. We have a lot more life experience. We know a path that is safe where they'll earn money, where they should be happy. I mean, a business, business is one of the things I tell my kids, you know, if you want to go to college, business admin is great because you can take it in a million different directions. There's so much, you know, that you can do to change if you don't like where you're at, but you don't want to do that to a fault either. Right. So you yeah. went into law enforcement. You know, I mean, my dad was my hero. My dad yeah. you know, made those suggestions out of love, not out of, you know, I, I, I'm trying to, you know, steer you away from doing something you feel in your heart you're supposed to do. It was I, I, I lived that life. I lived my, the life of my grandfather. You know, my grandfather was in Chicago during prohibition when alcohol was outlawed in the United States during, you know, Al Capone and those guys that were shooting up the city of Chicago, he lived through that. And so my father's like, no, I don't, I want a better life for you. Yeah. I just don't think, I mean, a better life, gee, dad, can I take my, my experience, my education and make a difference in the lives of people that I touch every day as a policeman? I think I can. Right. Right. And, and yeah. Yeah, perspective. It's the lens you view the world, right? So you went into the police force after he passed away. Meanwhile, your grandmother's also sick. Yeah. Uh, my grandfather, my grandmother died before my father did. Okay. So so you have two losses. You still live with your mom. You went into the police force. Uh, actually, I, I had gotten married. Uh, I, I <laughs> moved out. <laughs> That's okay. I, you know, <laughs> I didn't do a very good job on the time. Uh, no, no, it's good. <laughs> So I, I, after my father died, I did live with my mom for a while, you know, to kind of keep her, you know, to help her grieve and things like that. And then, uh, you know, I actually was a neighbor. A neighbor was like, Terry, you've got to get on with your life. And oh, so I did. Um, and I, you know, it was hard. I would still go over and shovel my mom's driveway and cut her grass on the weekends and all that kind of stuff. But I needed her to, to figure out how she was going to live. And, and that was, you know, my mom went from living with her mom and dad to marrying my dad and, you know, had never been on her own. And so it was a growing time for her as well. My wife and I got married and we moved to Santa Barbara, California. And that was oh. one of the hardest things I ever did because it's like, mom, I'm, I'm the only son here. I'm, I'm leaving you know, and uh, you, you got to figure this out. She had friends and all kinds of stuff. And so I wasn't right. really worried about her. 
But it was a hard thing because I remember my dad said to me right before he died, take care of your mother, make sure your mother's okay. And we always have. I mean, my mother's still alive. She's almost 88 years old. She has dementia and that, and she lives with one of my brothers and that, but we will take care of her. We'll make sure she's the rest of her life. Because again, that's what family does. That's what family does. And taking care of her doesn't mean giving up your life and living with her indefinitely it does it does not mean that there's a lot of different that can look a lot of different ways so but wow what pressure your wife is on board now here we are (laughs) you're married so was she how did she feel about the police force and why california uh well she's always been the primary breadwinner i married up she married down so Ah, i like it (laughs) (laughs) so i she got a job uh in santa barbara california and when we had met, I was a suit and tie, you know, eight to five, Monday through Friday hospital administrator. And a, a circular came in the mail when we were living in Santa Barbara that said, hey, if you take this class at Santa Barbara City College, you can apply to be a reserve police officer with any agency within the state. And you can imagine that conversation at dinner, you know, hey, hon, I'd like to do this. What do you think? And my wife was incredibly supportive. She's like, sure, you know, go ahead and and and, and take the course and see what happens. Took the course, got on with Santa Barbara PD, and I loved it. I would work, I was a customer service manager for an academic publishing company, you know, that, during the day and then at night, you know, into a nearby phone booth and look. And then, <laughs> they, you know, on, on Friday, I would come home from work, put on my uniform, go to roll call and work all night. And my wife said, you would come home Saturday morning exhausted, but with this big grin on your face. And so when our daughter was born and we moved to to Cincinnati, Ohio, I said, look, I want to do this full time. I want to go through the police academy and all that stuff. And she supported me. And that's how my law enforcement career took off. How amazing. I love it. Okay, so now you have a child. What was that like as far as the change? Because most people that come on here, that is like the single biggest life changing situation when you have a child and you were going to the police force. So you're seeing... I'm I'm making an assumption here, but you're seeing some of the not so great portions of society. And that can be really polarizing when you're when you're raising this sweet, cute little girl. Yeah, it, it was it was probably the biggest life change changing event I, we've ever experienced. I, I mean, it was I mean, now all of a sudden you are responsible for this life that is totally dependent on you for every single thing you know, that, that she needs to, to grow and develop in that. And, and my wife and I were pretty much on the same page for the most part. I mean, again, going back to, look, we're the parent, we're not your friend. I mean, we'll, we'll let you fail. You know, we were not helicopter parents where, you know, we're, you know, what, why is my kid, you know, I, I mean, I always sort of joke when, when I was growing up, there were only two ways to die. It was either natural causes or talking back to your mom and dad. You know? <laughs> and, 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 and so, you know, there were just, you know, my parents would go to parent teacher conferences and it would be like, we better not hear anything bad about you. My brothers are both in education and it's like parents come in now. It's like, it's the teacher's fault. Yeah. No, it's the kid's fault or it's your fault because you didn't raise them right or something like that. Yeah. The teachers are doing the best they can in that. So it was an amazing event. And I, she is the love of my life and I, I can't say enough good stuff about her. Yeah, I love that. That's good. But it is life changing. So you're in the police force. Take us forward because we know she's already in the Air Force special program and you've been married for 30 years. So we have some fast forwarding to do because I want to kind of get to where you are now and how your careers have affected your parenting 
and your relationship. You've been married for 30 years. So I'm sure folks are wondering like how, and if you're married that long, are you happy? Cause you can be married a long time and be miserable. Right. So we right. have a lot of like, let's bridge some of that gap. Sure. So uh, I, I guess I'll start with really, I mean, the first event was when our daughter was in, um, I don't know, seventh, eighth grade. And and yeah. the school's like, there's there's something wrong with her learning. There's, you know, she does poorly on the test, but if I call her up to the desk and talk to her about what was on the test, she can rattle stuff off, but she can't put it on the exam. So she needs to be tested. So we went through the whole testing thing and found out she had dyslexia, found out she had an anxiety disorder, found out uh, she had an attention disorder. And so she gets all these accommodations and stuff like that. But we also got her with a learning specialist. And, you know, I remember growing up and having the radio on while I was studying my mom, you know, turn that radio off, you need to study. And I'm like, but our daughter learns with music, our daughter learns with colors, or, you know, things that are not really traditional. And so she worked incredibly hard to overcome her learning disabilities. And then was recruited, unfortunately, or fortunately, she got my height, she's six foot two. And she was recruited to play basketball at the Air Force Academy. But the Air Force Academy doesn't give accommodations. You know, there's no, you can take your test in another room or, you know, you get extra time. It's like, no, I mean, you're in with everybody else. It's sink or swim. And I can't tell you how proud my wife and I were, you know, back in 2019. She gets her diploma, walks across the stage and shakes hands with the president of the United States. You know, and it's like, are you kidding me? This kid that, you know, we never thought was going to, you know, overcome these learning disabilities, found a way to do it. And we are incredibly proud of her in that regard. Wow. That's amazing. Because as a parent, when you hear these things about your kids, I have a son who's autistic and I have one that had a learning disability through speech, but speech can throw everything behind. And, you know, you advocate and you try to find a way and you want the best for them. And, and that's, that's challenging in and of itself. Like, are we doing the best? Is this the best way? Is this going to work? And that's that what a phenomenal success story like she had her own tenacity that maybe she got from you i don't know <laughs> and i'm five eight so i always which is tall for a woman anyway so i was five five those women taller than i am so yay on that how amazing though how amazing that she persevered and pushed through that she had your support and i i want to just pause and make a point here that you had a lot of family support and family meant a lot and you carry that on in you and that family support. And so parents out there who are struggling need to decide that sometimes the best thing that we can do is just sit and offer our support and love and values. And like that is, that is it and just encourage. Oh, absolutely. I, I mean, when she was in middle, middle school, she was bullied by this girl and she would come home and tell us about it. And, and we would be like, do you want us to get involved? No, I'll take care of it. Okay. I mean, as long as there wasn't, you know, physical danger to her, right. it was like, okay, this is going to be a good experience for you. This is going to be you learning how to deal with somebody that for whatever reason, it, you know, doesn't like you or is jealous of you or whatever, whatever the situation is, 
this so this is a great learning experience and, and you're not in any physical danger so go ahead and you know i mean my our daughter was bigger than i, I didn't think the kid was going to pick a fight or anything like that but right. it was like learn this lesson learn how to interact with people that you don't agree with and and stuff like that so yeah it, it was it was incredible to to watch her and i remember when she was at the air force academy she called home one day and we, we were just talking and she and, and all out of the blue she said you know mom and dad i'm so glad i have the relationship i had with you because so many kids here hate their parents. And I mean, first of all, you know, I was incredibly proud. But secondly, I was like, you know, this is some of the best and brightest young minds we have, you know, at, at our service academies. And these kids hate their parents. And I kept thinking, why? Is it because mom and dad were forcing them to do, you know, you're really smart. You know, you're a great science or an engineer. You should go to the Air Force Academy. Well, I don't really want, no, you're going to go, you know, kind of like, my dad, I want you to go to college instead of be a police officer because I want better for you. The intentions were correct, but the actions maybe pushed the kid away and things like that. So that was, I still remember that. My wife and I were talking about that the other day. Do you remember when Michaela called home and said that to us? And it was like, yeah, you know, like, hey, we, we're great parents. <laughs> <laughs> we're crushing it. That's I mean, right. we, we need to take the wins because parenting's not an easy no. journey. And no. you, you don't, there's, I don't think there should be a manual, but there's nothing to tell you how to deal with a situation that you are confronted with often immediately whether it's a temper tantrum or a bully like you have to make a decision in that moment right then without having time to be like let me go research this let me think right. about it and we don't we're human we don't always react well or you know in hindsight i i'm glad i wouldn't change a lot of things but the things that i would change are my initial reaction where then you're like wait no wait hang on a second so you know, that's really important when we, we get a win in. So I love the wins. It, it is. And, and, you know, and I think back on, you know, I was a trained high hostage crisis negotiator. I mean, I would right. deal with people that were in life and death situations. And then I'd come home with all this information and it would become emotional, you know, and it's like, right. and all that stuff would go out the window and it's like, okay, you idiot, you know what to do, you know, take the emotion out of it. But when it's your own, you know, when yeah. it's your own child and that, that's, it's easier said than done sometimes. You switched from the police force to hostage negotiation. So I I mean, I'm guessing you moved through where you found a fit for yourself. Well, so I, I was I was on the SWAT team. So I was still in law enforcement and the SWAT team, I was in Cincinnati, Ohio, um, and, and they had an opening as a negotiator. And so I put in for it, went through all the, uh, you know, the hoops I needed to jump through and and did that for about four years. And then you know, my wife supported me in this, but then my wife lost her job in Cincinnati and we had to move to Texas. And so I had to get out of law enforcement. You know, now it was my turn to support her and 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 do with that. And so I had, you know, I had education. I have a master's degree. I'd been to law school. I was like, okay, you know, I have all this SWAT training. Maybe I could help schools protect themselves and things like that. So, so I started a, a school security consulting business. Our daughter was in high school. And so I started coaching their their high school, girls high school basketball team, which was yeah, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. My husband's coaching a junior high school girls basketball right now. So yeah. He's like, this is the weirdest thing I've ever done. It is. <laughs> so especially at being a man, playing with men, coaching boys, growing up all through high school, you know, he coached the boys and stuff. He decides, no, I'm going to do this. I'm going to coach junior high school. And it's, it's like an alien. It's not the same. 
So you did that, you, you did that. And then at some point you got cancer because you said in the beginning, and I know from reading your information that you have been battling cancer and you lost your leg. I did. Actually, I didn't lose it. I know where it is. It's in a, yeah. I, that's a bad joke. <laughs> so is it a one foot in the grave situation if we're joking around about yeah, it? Exactly. Right. It's the only one I've got. So yeah. <laughs> shoes, you know, shoes are a lot less expensive because they're half price. Half yes. so, uh, <laughs> exactly. Okay. So, so two, yes, that's 2012. Big. I get cancer. Yeah. How did you find it? Cause it was in the bottom of your foot. It was. Well, I, I was I was coaching, uh, you know, girls basketball, and I had a callus that broke open on the bottom of my foot, right below my third toe. And initially, I didn't think much of it because, as a coach, you're on your feet a lot. But after it didn't heal for a couple of weeks, I made an appointment and went to see a podiatrist, a foot doctor friend of mine, and he took an X-ray and he said, "Terry, I think you have a little cyst in there, and I can cut it out." And he did, and you know, showed it to me. Neither one of us were concerned, but he sent it off to pathology to have it looked at. And then two weeks later, I get the call from him. And as I said, he's a friend of mine. And the more difficulty he's having explaining to me what's going on, the more frightened I'm becoming until finally he just laid it out for him. He said, Terry, I've been a doctor for 25 years. I have never seen this form of cancer. You have a incredibly rare form of melanoma. And most people think a melanoma is too much exposure to the sun. And, you know, it affects the melon, the pigment in our skin. This has nothing to do with that. This is a rare form that appears on the bottom of the feet or the palms of the hands. And that started my almost 11 year journey now through cancer. And at the time, melanoma was a death sentence. They, they had nothing to treat it with. And so they put me on a drug called interferon. And the side effects of that were that I had severe flu-like symptoms for two to three days every week after each injection. And I took those weekly injections for almost five years. So imagine having the flu every week for five years. And that wasn't a cure. That was, as my oncologist used to say, we're trying to kick the can down the road. Eventually I had to stop that. The cancer came back in the exact same spot on my foot. That necessitated the amputation of my left foot in 2018. And then I had my left leg amputated in 2020, right in the middle of the COVID pandemic. Oh, wow. How old is your daughter in 2020? Um... 2000 so she's in college so i'm gonna yeah, say okay. yeah 19 so she's out of the house at this point and that that's where you're i'm just trying to relate your parenting journey because uh, a child no matter what the age and you know you you watched family members same thing as an adult but still just that would change tremendously change your parenting and how how you could do things with her and coaching basketball and um, yeah, I've heard about the medication and I, I can't imagine where is the cancer now? Where are you? It's in at? my lungs. Uh, I'm treated every three weeks for a week at the, at the university of Colorado hospitals with a, an experimental, a trial drug that does nothing to the cancer, but basically unmasks it from my own immune system so that my body can fight it. And I've been doing this for two and a half years now. And it is, as my doctor calls it, stable. You know, it's still there, but it's not getting any bigger and it's not going anywhere. So we continue to to take this drug, which is very hard on my body. When I get it, I, I get very sick. I, I shake violently. I have a headache. I have, you know, and I do that five days in a row and then I get two weeks off and then I get to do it again. And then I get two weeks off and do it again. 
I'm glad I asked the, those questions first because I didn't know where the cancer was and where you were at with that because I want the, I know what I want to wrap up on is what you're doing now um, in your business and your book, you have a podcast. Um, so your parenting journey was really a lot about family and being the parent and not the friend and being supportive and loving and then your wife supporting you and you supporting her. So there's a lot of um, common threads in your story from when you were one of three boys as a kid, right? Sure. Which is really important to highlight. Cancer's a, I mean, this is a big one though. So bridge the gap. You found out you had cancer. Um, you were doing the high school security and what, what you're doing now, because you have some of the most motivational information on the internet. And now that I know, more about your cancer and where you're at in this moment, that means that's much more poignant. Yeah. I, I mean, when I was diagnosed, our daughter was in high school. Yep. And so, you know, my wife and I made, made the conscious decision to, we were never going to lie to her. I mean, obviously we would tell her things that were, you know, age appropriate, but I remember one time I, I, I had my, all the lymph nodes in my groin removed and I, I was discharged from the hospital. I had 40 staples that kind of went up my thigh into my groin and into my abdomen. And I, I had to get upstairs. I was on crutches. I had to get up the stairs. And we had stairs and then a landing and then another set of stairs. And I was so I was in so much pain from those staples, you know, pulling and, and everything that I, I just looked at my daughter. I'm like, I, and my wife, I, I got to sit down. I'm six foot eight, 240 pounds. If I, you know, my daughter was like, absolutely not, dad. If you sit down, we're never going to get you up. So she literally grabbed me by my lapels and my wife sort of pushed from the back and they got me up the stairs. And again, without them, never would have made it. But her saying, no, dad, I'm not gonna, you know, you're in high school. I'm not gonna let you sit down. I know it hurts, but come on, push through this and pulled me, literally pulled me and pushed me to where I needed to go. So, you know, I taught my daughter, I believe my wife and I have both taught our daughter a lot about living. I think at this point in, in my life, I'm teaching her how to die. Because I, in all honesty, that's probably what's going to happen. I mean, this this drug is not is not curing me, but it's it's giving the doctors data that may help somebody five years from now, ten years from now, you know, to to be cured and and to live you know a life with their family. And that's something I learned as part of a team, whether it was a family or whether it was in sports, of being part of something that's bigger than yourself. You know, you realize that on a team, if you don't do your job. Not only do you let yourself down, but you let your teammates down, your coaches down, your fans down. And if you think about it, the biggest game we all play is this game of life. What are you doing now? So, I mean, you're very realistic and upfront, and I really appreciate that. Yes, I, I love that you said you're teaching her how to die. You've watched this before. Yep, many times. <laughs> yep. Um, yeah. From being a kid to all the way up to now in jobs that you've had in a lot of situations. What is your plan from now until that happens? I, I mean, you know, she's an adult now. She's married. Um, she's been married for about a year. My, my, my big goal was to use my prosthetic leg to walk her down the aisle, which mm. I, I ended up being able to do. Um, you know, so I mean, we talk all the time. I mean, we text, talk every almost every day, and and so you know, my my goal now is to just live my life to the best I can. I mean, I think my purposes in life have changed. You know, initially it was all about sports and basketball. 
Then it was about, you know, I want to be in law enforcement and help people. And now, as I'm more than likely coming to the end of my life, it's to put as much goodness, as much positivity, as much motivation, as much love back into the world as I possibly can with whatever time I have left. So these podcasts, being guests on shows like yours, they energize me. They help me. They they give me a purpose. And I think if you have a purpose, I saw that in my father. My father had end-stage breast cancer back in the 1980s. And they're like, we have no idea how to treat a man with end-stage breast cancer. So they told him to go home and die. But he lived three and a half years. And I believe he did because he had a purpose. He was in real estate. And he worked up till two weeks before he died. So when I die, how I die, where I die, way above my pay grade, don't spend a lot of time worrying about it. I spend more time trying to live a quality life, trying to give back as much as I can, you know, without any strings attached. Look, you know, you need my help. You want to talk, talk, call, you know, am I making a difference in people's lives? I think I am. And I'll, I'll end this with a quick story. I had a nurse who, when I initially met her, was already a nurse, but was in training on the unit where I get treated. And she's about 25 years old. And about six months after this training, she was taking care of me by herself. And she came in and she said, Terry, I've got a story I want to tell you, but I'm a little uncomfortable. I'm like, I, I didn't know how to respond to that. You know, it's like, well, sounds like it might be a good story. I'd like to hear it. So she's in and out for the next couple hours and then finally comes in and sits down in the bed and says, all right, here's the story. She said, when I first met you, I was going to quit nursing. I was going to get out. I had had a good friend of mine die. I was in a really dark place. I talked to my mom and dad. I was going to go to work for Amazon. And then I met you. And I went back and I started to read about all the stuff you've been through. And she said, I knew I was where I was supposed to be. Now, if she would have never told me that story, I would have had no idea that my life had had an impact on, on her life. And I always tell people, you know, as bad as you think your life is, I guarantee you there are people out there that you don't even know that are watching you, that are looking at you and would give everything they have just to walk five minutes in your shoes. So, you know, don't don't think it's all about you. It's not. We, we need we need each other. We need to, you know, and I have those dark, ugly days where I get down and I cry, I feel sorry for myself, but I find myself looking internally. You know, it's all about me. And I find a way to get out of that is to start to look out outward. You know, who can I help? Who can I, hey, you want to go have a cup of coffee? Hey, how's it going? Now all of a sudden the focus is not on me, it's on helping another individual. And that just gives me energy. That is the perfect place to end. Terry, thank you so much for being on today and for sharing your story. I, I appreciate you. Well, thanks for having me on, Jen. I enjoyed talking with you.